Hi, today I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with Darth Vader burned onto it. He was pretty crispy, but the rest of the bread was okay. Was his face printed on the dark side? Ah! <laughs> I'm sure that's in the literature. That's like such an obvious pun. It should be. To couple with that product. It should Ready be. to do this, Drew? Yeah, I mean. This is episode 42. I feel weird. This is the. I feel like I don't have enough stuff. This episode is the answer to everything in the universe. Oh, is 42 a special number for you? Isn't it? No, isn't that like a whole thing? 42? Yeah. Not for me, it's not. No, 42. 42 is a thing. Yeah, there's like a whole thing. It's like the... <laughs> oh, I'm convinced now. It's Thank a nerd you. thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need to actually start this thing. All right, we'll figure, we'll figure right. this out as we get into it. All right. Well, welcome everybody to episode number 42 of the Goulet Pen Cast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we're here together in person for the first time since last year, July-ish, June-ish, sometime like that, uh, from Goulet Pens, literally, in our new sweet pen cast digs. And uh, we're going to deliver a casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we're going to talk about what's going on at Goulet Pens and in our fountain pen lives. So in today's show, we're obviously going to talk a little bit about the new setup. Uh, we have some advice for our former selves, if we could go back in time. Uh, what TED Talk that we might give if we had the chance? Never been asked that before. We have uh, some answers about metal pens and which ones can be eyedroppered or not. What's up with that? Bullet journals and ADHD and how fountain pens might help with all these things. Squirrel. Uh, we'll spotlight the numbering of Pelican pens somewhat it's kind of exhaustive. We feel not super confident about that question, but we're going to try anyway. And we have a tip of the week on cleaning a Lamy converter, which Drew hates to do. And I told him I'm going to make it easier. Uh, also, Drew got a puppy. So I'm sure we're going to want to talk about that and see about that. It's basically like another kid. Uh, yeah, that's what we got. It's weird to be here in person. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How about some feedback? <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay, so as far as feedback goes, I have some back that needs to be feeded to you. Mm. Um, apologies for a few things last episode. So mm. we got some comments about somebody's heavy breathing throughout the entirety of last episode. Um, mm, what are you talking about? For anonymity's sake, we'll call him Shmarian Shmoulet. Mm. Uh, we might have used some different audio recording devices. Uh, we might have had somebody not super great editing it. So there were some breaths happening so it's fine not gonna happen again promise also somebody um we'll call him shmoo shmrown wore a shirt that he thought was really rad but it ended up doing that crazy thing that shirts with very detailed designs do where it just like like, flickered the whole time whoops um but you know we're gonna just ignore that guy he just didn't know what he was doing call it like an asmr overstimulation he just got excited (laughs) about his new shirt and wanted to share it with people um but who knows really what he was thinking not me that's Mm. for sure and then uh that same gentleman uh in his infinite wisdom was listening to brian or somebody else read a comment from lauren and this guy thought that brian said warren so i just kind of went with that. Or I mean, this guy just kind of went with that. So apologies to Lauren. I know you're not Warren. I'm sorry. I mean, somebody's, I'm sure that person is very sorry for mispronouncing, yeah. mistaking your name. So yeah, all that. So you can have that. That's for you. Apologies. Though we did get a lot of love 
for the fanny packs that we showed <laughs> off. And yes, I know in the UK, fanny means something different. Ha ha, we got it. Sorry if you were listening to that in public, but I mean, that's, that's what, what they're called on the Rickshaw's website. So that's what we're going to call them. Yeah. They're fanny packs. You can call them belt bags or bum bags or whatever, but uh, there was definitely some interest in them. Interest was so, had. Okay. Interest was had. So I appreciate them. There Did are they, a number of other pen friends that appreciate them as did well. Any, did anybody weigh in on which style they liked better, yours or mine? Uh, no, not like really. Uh, we had somebody sentiment. Somebody said that they wanted one of the blue splattery looking ones. One said they wanted one with a very, very subtle turkey hammock hidden somewhere on it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but uh, no, I think that uh, probably they liked my tweed one better, I'm guessing. Oh, that's just what you're well, assuming? Well, that was the vibe that I got. They didn't say oh. anything about either one, but oh, I, could, okay. I could just... You were just reading that yeah. between the lines? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I was. I was sure, so. sure. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, and then we got a message from Kuda Prime, who on the tail of that said, if Goulet starts carrying fanny packs, I'll be very disappointed if a Goulet feed brush isn't included with it. Mm. Now, Kuda Prime did not call it a Droulet feed brush, which I'm a little, mm. you know, it's fine. It's fine. I mean... It, the, the the novel concept was my brainchild like it's, so <laughs> I, I, was it though we'll see i no one's ever considered doing mm. that before no okay everybody right. was using like saber tooth tiger fangs to clean their feeds before i came up with the toothbrush idea yes, the course. old dirty toothbrush idea that's right yeah who knows what how different our lives would have been if i had never invented that <laughs> 100% my own. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll give you credit where credit's due, Drew. Which we're is not here. We're cre- <laughs> Which we're, is definitely not here. I was going to say, where, where credit is Drew. How about that? Uh, okay. Right. What do you got? Do you have anything? All right. Any I got some feedback. Be fed? All right. <clears throat> A little bit. Got some hungry backs. All right. So one is from Amanda. Says, you guys made my day mentioning my comment. And yes, Brian, elocution is a thing. There you go. Good so words. Sometimes when we make up words, they happen to actually exist. That is handy. And now... Are we just going to end up in a perpetual cycle where we are going to read out Amanda thanking us for mentioning her comment? Because that will never end. Because now she's going to thank us for mentioning this comment, <gasps> and then we're going to read it again. We've created oh. an infinite loop here, Drew. Wow. Sorry, so, Amanda. All right. Well, Amanda, I guess you're going to get shout-outs every pencast now. So congratulations. Um, so Nicholas uh, commented about the Justice 95, said... Justice 95 is among among my top pens. I do adjust the nib, mostly in order to play with ink shading or cope with lower quality paper. How about that? Huh. Soft or bouncy is great to get some variation in width, but mostly affects ink shading by laying more ink. So it's more of a like saturation change than it is. Like a width uh, of the line the width. change. Yeah, ah. yeah. I think if you don't know anything about that pen, you would think like, oh, I can get wider lines. Not not necessarily. Um, the hard is better for fast note taking or when stuck with paper that does not love fountain pens. Okay, there you go. So softer is wetter, I guess. Right. So it lets out more ink. And Nicholas wasn't yeah. the only fan of the Justice 95. There were a few of them mm-hmm. out there. I don't think I heard anyone say like, this is my one pen that I use all the time, mm. but there was a lot of love for him. And, um, okay. There was also another person that said, I never adjust mine, but I really do love it. So it definitely has some fans out there for sure. And uh, probably doesn't have enough, I will still say. Yeah, there you go. I just got a whiff of your coffee as you took a sip there. And I got to say, I'm a little jealous. I just got plain water. But you know what? It's all good. 
just the smell of it, I feel I'm getting revitalized. This is this is this is what you've been missing. <laughs> I have been missing. I should have made the myself smells. Some, some coffee. Yes, Drew smells. Well, <laughs> as this goes on and I saturate my little booster pillow <laughs> here with sweat, Brian. you're gonna have your own smells. So welcome oh. welcome back to being together in person. <laughs> Let's talk about some new stuff, shall we? Please. All right. Well, New stuff, obviously, Drew, I think the newest thing we have is this room that we're in. So we've been planning this for uh, a little while. So COVID stuff has kept us apart, sadly, though, virtually, we have been doing our pencast for, gosh, I don't know, nine months or so, something like that. I don't remember, it was summer, summer last year, last know. time we did. We've actually done most of our pencasts virtually, mm-hmm. but um, we got an actual setup here. This is probably the most intentional set we've ever really done for pretty much any video, anything. Yep. So it's kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so Drew sourced out this sweet little neon light, which is obviously kind of the centerpiece for our pencast. Um, we won't go through like every item that we have here, but we just wanted to highlight a couple things um the shelving that we had that's all shelving that i made i'm a woodworker and i was like hey it'd be kind of cool to make the shelves so it's all live edge walnut oh. which is kind of cool which it's not nearly as cool as when you're like close up looking at it because from this angle where we're recording you just see like a flat shelf and it's like you don't really get to see what mm. it is but i don't know how you make shelving look cool straight on yeah oh well did but you get? All I know this, it's cool. <laughs> where, where did you get all of this walnut? Oh, it was it was locally harvested here from Richmond, Virginia. From a, I got a I got a tree a tree guy. He, oh, he, he gets like trees that are felled in storms or that the city's taken oh, down. Oh, you mentioned or this guy before. Yeah, and he like he gets slabs of wood and he he's got a vacuum kiln and he like dries it all and stuff like that. I was going to so ask about all, the vacuum kiln. Yeah, of course. I was wondering if he yeah. had one. Vacuum kilns are freaking cool. They are, especially when mm-hmm. you uh, use them to have wood mm-hmm. in them. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what you do with them. Yep. Yeah, they cool. are able to make it on fire with vacuum mm, pressure. Not quite for the white on fire. For, that would it's burn like the it's wood. More, it's like a uh, no, no. Well, it's you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know of course. I, mean? <laughs> I just want to see where he's going with this. It's like a pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. Vacuum. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it is. Yeah. It is kind of like a pressure cooker, I, I know except that. it's the opposite because pressure is the, the, the opposite, opposite of vacuum. vacuum. Yeah. Of oh, wow. Who knows that? <laughs> That's really funny. I'll let you. Yeah. So yes, when you have a when you have, I feel like now I have to explain it because we've gone on about this. Okay. <laughs> 30 second, Sorry. 30 second thing about what a vacuum kiln is. So when you have wood and you're trying to dry it, normally you heat it up to get the moisture out of the wood so that it's more stable. Oh, true. Faux pas. Uh, Phone going off nobody, in the pen Nobody guns. heard that. So you heat, up the, you heat up the wood and then the steam like comes out and it dries the wood and then it's you know, able to work and it doesn't move as much. Well, with vacuum, you are lowering like the whatever barometric pressure or whatever, and then you don't have to heat it quite as much. So um, it uh, allows you to dry the wood faster, basically. And it also has like microwaves in it too. So it sort of microwaves the wood as well. So you know, it's kind of cool. It dries out wood really fast. All right, that, was, that, 30 that, seconds? that was less than a minute, but okay. it was not 30 seconds. All right, well. But still, I'm impressed. Fine. Okay. I'm impressed. I'm proud of you. All right, cool. Well, we also got some trinkets. Drew's got his side over here with some various fun toy things. I don't know. Do you want to explain anything? Um, got toy things. I will say that I, I will say that right here. Right here. Uh-huh. Right th- where? There? Yeah. We're not going to say what that is, but if you know. Yeah. That is a me and Drew childhood thing that basically nobody else remembers, but we know that it exists. 
Um, and then, yeah, we got a little Lego, or, or I got a little Lego bonsai tree, which is over here with cherry blossoms on it, which is kind of cool. I built that this weekend with my kids. And a uh, little uh, Rubik's mosaic here with the Goulet splatter. And then uh, I got some puzzles and other various things. And the uh, ooze tube, Drew, I know you wanted me Classic to Classic ooze tube. Yeah, that, yeah. That, is a, that is a Goulet Pen yeah. Company video staple there. Yeah, I can actually like turn it upside down and it's just like over 15 minutes it'll just like goop down so I figured we'd do that yes yeah. very nice love it so there we go fun stuff so that's our new set we're going to record all of our pen casts here as long as we're able you never know what virus related things may come about and change our situation but we're going to do this as long as we can all right now for actual like products new stuff which is probably stuff that you're thinking about um just a little update on our northern lights have we sold any of those pens. We might have sold one or two. Uh, as you notice, if you go to the site, that they're mostly gone. So that kind of surprised us a little bit. I mean, we thought it would be popular, but not maybe as popular as These it have was. been more popular than the uh, they Stealth were, Greens. They were very popular. Well, the Stealth Green, the, the which one? The the big uh, one sold out first. The big one, the, full, yeah. the, the regular size one but still, sold it's quicker. Been, it's been like less than a week. It's kind of crazy, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're recording this on Monday, and we still have some left, but by the time it's Publishes on Friday, we might be out of the, at least the slims. The slims, yeah. But we are going to order more. We did kind of confirm that. It's going to take 60 to 90 days, which is a little while, but, you know, it's cool that Sailor is willing to do that for us. So sign up for the email notification if there's a particular nib size or pen size that you want to get because we are going to do another round of them. So uh, I'm pretty sure of both sizes as well. So that's pretty Pretty cool. Very People cool. Are pretty excited. Um, another thing that is pretty neat that kind of flew a little under my radar. I don't know about you, um, okay. but Esterbrook came out with a new Esty, and it is called mm-hmm. the Candy, and it is very pretty, very cute, very fun to look at. And it is by Tim McKenzie, as far as the resin is concerned. So another diamond cast resin by Tim McKenzie of McKenzie Penworks. And mm-hmm. it looks so so good. It has that nice rich depth to the colors. It's got some blues, some whites, some pinks, and a lot of shimmer. So it's a very, very fun looking pen. So that did launch. Um, I believe we still have some, but definitely check it out. Even if you don't think you're going to buy it, just look at it because it's just fun to look at. It just, I don't know mm-hmm. how you could write with a pen with a pen like this and not just be invigorated with just a, a positive vibe because it just mm-hmm. radiates positivity to me, which I, I really like. And every now and then I need a pen like that. I need a yeah. pen that's just going to Give me a vibe that I need. Mm. Sometimes I will reach for that. I don't want to reach for like a dark pen. I'm like, I need something. Yeah, like some fuddy brown or something. No, no, no. Just, that's no, no. not, not, not life giving pen. That's it uh, is. It is. That is the color of nature, it is the color of life itself. Well, I can't really argue with that. There we go. It's also the color, it's the of, chocolate. Most, it's color of chocolate, which when you're talking it, about candy, right? that's what I that's think delightful. of. Delightful. Like, that like, is delightful. If you're you, like, is there any candy that you have? I'm like, give me chocolate. Like, there's no. Okay, so, other. so you're more of a chocolate person than like a hard candy <sighs> gummy I will, person. I will never, I will never choose a non-chocolate over chocolate. See, I always will. Really? Chocolate. See, I like to enjoy my candy for as long of a time as possible. Like, I like long-lasting mm. candies, and chocolate yeah, just, is never that. You just get more chocolate. Like, what's the? <laughs> you just get, you get enough of it so you could keep eating it. Like, what's the? Like and also, it's messy. Uh, depends on the depends on the form. See, you All need right. that. You need the Cadbury mini eggs. I do love they Cadbury are, mini eggs because it's it's. Easter time right now. As soon as Easter's over, though, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a big honking bag for like half off. If there's any left. I I, I'm, I think I've eaten probably four or five bags. That's why I so can't far. find any. <laughs> there's a whole end cap of them at Target. My kids are onto it now. Okay. And they are devouring they're it like too. They're like matte finish M&M's. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Delightful. And they're very good with coffee because if you mm. put one in your mouth okay. and then you take a swig of coffee, mm. the inside will melt, mm-hmm. but the outside will still remain. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then you bite it and it's like chocolatey, oozy mm. explosion of happiness. <sighs> so good. Oh, it is. I have some in my car. That's I'm going to eat nice. them on the way home today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten so many of those things. It's terrible. Uh, what are we talking about? Pens? Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay, cool. Well, that's the new stuff we got. Uh, now we got some Q&A. All right, Drew. Q&A. Q&A. We've, We've got, got, some, got some questions. A question here. The first one's going to be directed at you. And I don't mean like it is your turn first. I mean, it is like... For me. Yes, like, for you. Specifically called out. In all caps, I see Look as this. well. Yeah, so Mark says, <laughs> Question right. by Brian! In all caps. Don't you have to yell, Mark? It's okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. I hear um, you. You said the following when answering a question in Pencast 37. Mm. Okay. Should in I do quotes. an impression of you? Sure. I'd like to hear that. You're good with impressions. I I don't know if I could. Um, (laughs) If I could go back and tell myself to do things differently, Inc. Nouveau, this was about the Inc. Nouveau question. Mm. Inc. Nouveau would be like the 87th thing down the list because I screwed up so many other things ahead of that. What, Brian, are the top three things you would tell yourself to do differently and why? Since you have a list of 87, clearly. I mean, okay, that might have been hyperbole. I don't actually have a list of all the things I would go back and do differently. You know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, is that shocking? No. So you told a fib? (laughs) I didn't fib, it was hyperbole. Did you enact a Fibonacci sequence upon our viewers? (laughs) What does that even mean? I know there's like a math term related to that, but well, like I don't remember what it is. If you need math explained to you, isn't that let like me tell the you. thing where you have like the the shell that mm-hmm. like is the thing? What like what is I, the I, sequence? I don't know. Sure, it's some some ratio, right? Or sometimes sometimes someone oh just fibs, and I call it a Fibonacci. That's really funny. I like that. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, what are the top? Yes, we all know that I love coming up with top lists of things. He does I'm so good at being concise. Um, so I, I I did actually think of some things. I don't know if this is actually the top three. I just thought of three things. Um, the first three things that sort of came to mind as I thought about it a little bit. Um, first off, you know, I really have no regrets because everything that I've gone through has gotten me to where I am, and I don't regret where I am. Even the bad stuff, the hard things. It all makes you part of who you are. So who knows? Um, what if you like went back and thought you were changing a bad thing, but you really just altered the course of history and you right? end up like butterfly effect, right? Yeah. Like you change one little thing, you think it doesn't really matter, and all of a sudden everything's different. Yeah. Alternate timeline. I don't know. But for the sake of this question, though, okay. You know. What would I now knowing differently? Okay, so oh sure, I get I get the spirit of the question. Um, you know, I think one thing Rachel and I personally have learned a lot about ourselves, our own mental health. That is something that like really since we turned probably thirty. That's something that really we've gotten a lot more awareness around. Um, so I definitely would have like clued myself in earlier on about mental health and watching out for that. You know, we worked really, really hard, had young, you know, kids young as we were growing the business and stuff. Definitely, we went through some stuff that like kind of took its toll and we didn't realize what was happening. But really, it was like strain on our mental health. So I remember those years. I'll include that in. Yeah, you were there for the that. Kid, the it kids were there. You were Whew. you were potty training in the office. Like yes, I I having I, having potty one training kid, our son. I was potty trained. Just to be clear, right, right. You're fine. Yeah, I'm, you're fine. I'm good. I'm good. But having one kid and zero businesses that I own. Yes, like even I am just <laughs> I'm I'm just recalling the normal childhood uh, upbringing that yeah. you know me and my wife attempted, and even that makes my brain melt. So I cannot imagine that whole. I'll, I'll be thing. honest. It's kind of hard for me to answer this question because I think I've blocked out 
a lot. I of would that stuff for that would. time because like you just you had you put your head down and you oh, just you go have through to. it. Or else your brain melts. Yeah, and you don't like think back about. Let me reflect on all the bad hard things that have happened over the years. No, not really. Um, so yeah, I think we would have avoided a lot of just like having to go through and discover and self doubt and all these things. Just understanding like, oh, we have like things that are you know non-neurotypical things that we're dealing with just like kind of everybody has um yeah so there's a lot of that um there's a lot of leadership related stuff that i of course you know just like most other life experiences you don't really know what you're stepping into until you kind of go through it so there's a lot of that i'm kind of just going to put a lot of leadership related things in general hiring practices just defining our company values we did that you know, a while ago, but it was like four or five years in, I could have done that sooner, having just more defined like mission, vision, that type of stuff. I think that we had a pretty clear sense of where we were going, but I could have specified that a little clearer, made that easier for our team to kind of see uh, what we were trying to do earlier on. Um, so that's something that, you know, I felt like I was playing catch up for a while on the leadership front. Um, and then uh, a big one was our previous web hosts that we were on. Uh, we were an early adopter to that platform. It did not go smoothly. It was four years of pain and frustration for Rachel, especially. That could probably contributed a lot to the mental health issues that we went through. Uh, so we would have just skipped that whole experience and not migrated to that host. Um, but you never know. But we're very happy where we are now, and so that's all good. So yeah, some some tactical things, some little bit more, you know, I don't know, ethereal things we're talking about. But uh, those are the three things that I probably would have clued myself in on a little bit. But I did have the foresight to know when we started this thing. We were 25 when we did this business, and we wow. Rachel was pregnant with Joseph, and really it was like when she was deciding to quit her job, and we were both kind of going all in. That's when it like felt really real, because like I was doing the thing, but Rachel was pulling the wagon financially the time so i was like trying a bunch of stuff and trying to make it work but then once we both went all in it was like okay this has got to happen and it was kind of like well we have to do it now because we know it's going to be really hard but we know enough to know that we don't know how hard it's actually going to be that's good and we're probably not going to do it once we truly know how hard it will be so we have to do it now while we're naive enough to like make the leap and that's a hundred percent what happened like now now whenever i talk about stuff rachel's like i'm not starting another business she's like we are not going through that again so i think that one of the one of the biggest markers (laughs) of intelligence and one of the best life lessons you can learn is just acknowledging how dumb you are about certain things oh like that that is it sounds silly and i worded it silly but really Mm. it's just the 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 acknowledge the acknowledgement of your own ignorance yeah is i think a a a marker for someone who is intelligent and mm. be the secret to so much success because well, you know just saying that you don't know what you don't know just that that realization just connects the dots so much more easier and it just kind of gives mm. you a good blank slate to then kind of accept new information on yeah. like, i think that's huge yeah there's a book that i read recently i can't remember the author's name but um uh the title of the book is so fitting it's called feel the fear and do it anyway <laughs> So it's it's a lot about mental health, anxiety, that kind of stuff. That's touched many members of our family. And uh, yeah, that's very much how this business has felt. It's like we knew it was going to be scary. We knew it was going to be painful, but we had to do it anyway. And uh, that's a lot of what it is, just stepping into the the unknown. That's almost more <laughs> impressive than someone who went into it ignorantly. It's like that person can at least claim they didn't know. But I mean, it was both, really. Like yeah, we were ignorant yeah. of so much, but we knew enough to know how ignorant we were yeah we just didn't know what we were ignorant about yeah 
So, I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse. I guess uh, it's better. Little, yeah. we, weren't, we weren't rose-colored glasses about it. We knew it was going to be hard. We just didn't know how right. because we'd never been through it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like parenting. You know, you know it's going to be hard, yeah. but you don't ever actually know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you were talking about leadership and learning, and it reminded mm. me of one of my earliest interviews that I went through. And it was me and Rachel. Okay. And I led the interviewee so much. He was oh. just sitting there quiet. <laughs> And I asked him a question. He was like, hmm, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, so, so you, so you would, like, if you were in this situation, you'd probably do this. And they're like, mm -hmm. so like, I would. Asking leading I would. questions oh, it was during an interview. So bad. Mm. It was so bad. I look back and I'm like, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. And Rachel wasn't much better. We were both just like, we didn't know what we were doing. It's, and we're like, all right, well, you sound perfect. Like, yeah. <laughs> because I, yeah. He was just like, yeah. He was yeah. just agreeing with what you oh, both were God. saying. It was wow. so bad. Wow. So embarrassing. I got, I got, marginally better i'm happy to say so. yes yes indeed well we've all learned with our experience yes um but yeah there you go so that's uh mark i hope that satisfies your questions a little bit nothing overly dramatic but you know definitely some wisdom to be had for sure on on uh on our front all right uh next question i've got this is from emily so emily asks a question that i've never been asked before which is kind of cool if you guys had to give a ted talk inspirational slash educational for 10 minutes what would you talk about i think emily might be the queen of random questions oh yeah, yeah she she she's <laughs> got she's got them ones. down oh yeah all right all she, right she is okay. um all right emily um mm. this was a tough one but a fun one so i've got um i i like to talk a lot about uh mental energy and how you need to have like um you basically need to a lot this amount of mental energy to one thing or person or place and then this and it's basically compartmentalizing who you're going to give your mental and emotional energy to and how much of it and then when that is exhausted that's it you have to mentally cut yourself off so that you then can either go home and have enough mental and emotional energy to then process the things that need to be done at home versus at work and such stuff like that. So I could go on a long time about that because I feel very passionate about it. And I think that if that can be done, it's not easy, but if it can and is done, it's a huge, huge win. Um, I also have a, uh, a relationship talk that you know I often give, and it is about how any good relationship, marriage or you know, partnership uh, has layers to it and how mm -hmm. each of those layers, you know, what the layers are and why they're important that all of them exist so that if anybody has been in a marriage for any amount of time or a long-term relationship, you know that at any given time, one of those layers could be broken or ready to crumble or crack. So it's imperative that there are layers both above it and beneath it so that you're never left with nothing. So um, I can give a talk on that as well. I've got a, I've got a pretty lengthy, I mean, honestly, you or I could it would, the challenge would be finding, you know, some something that we could talk about in just 10 minutes, not oh, yeah. not what subject we could talk about. But because I could go on and on about either of those talks. Yeah. But uh, I feel like if I did need to have either of those talks in 10 minutes and really kind of hone it down mm -hmm. with a nice visual aid or something like that, th those would be two that I could get on board with and present yeah. something pretty, pretty digestible and halfway interesting. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, my stuff, not surprisingly, is going to be kind of business related because that's most of the experience that I draw upon since I spend a disproportionate amount of time doing that. Um, despite what I talk about in my 
adventures, my outdoor adventures in the Pencast. Um, so I have two kind of things that have really for the last decade or so have really stood out to me about the experience of starting a business, raising a young kids, especially in a business. Um, and I have sort of like a Michael Scott, like somehow I manage like theme to, to my, my experience. Um, uh, so one is like, uh, I had this idea of like raising your business because I mean, literally we, we launched our first YouTube video 10 days before my oldest was born, which is still just ridiculous. So like we, we really kind of mark the start of our business with his birth. And, uh, so we've, we've seen so many correlations between, you know, starting out the business and we we're finding ourselves, we're like a baby. that's just like pooping its pants and we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's day and night and we've up all and been down, there. you know, and finding ourselves. And then you kind of get a little bit older, you reach the age of reason. So there's so many parallels, I think, to starting a business from scratch and also raising a kid. And it's been interesting as a CEO founder and also a parent seeing how many parallels there are to now like our business is in its adolescence. Yeah. It's like another you know. kid. Yeah. But like our t- teeth are getting kind of crooked. So we need some braces and you know, you can, you know, whatever that means in business terms. Like I, I could probably have a lot of correlation between the parenting and the, and the, the, the business thing. So uh, something about like raising your business or, you know, kid and business and, and some correlation there. I feel like I could, talk mm. about that pretty well yeah, like with parent, my own parenting experiences. Parenting your business parenting, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Oh, Ooh, so, yeah, we could come up with a good title for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, something, something there. Yeah, I mean, the title's pretty important when it comes to a TED Talk. So. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other one is, uh, you know, I, I call it like stewardshipping, which mm-hmm. is fun because, you know, it's a little play on the, the shipping aspect it's of a... what we do in e-commerce here. Um, but basically it's like, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate to have a business that's actually become successful. Um, but then what do you do with that? Uh, how do you kind of give back or what do you do when you have basically a level of responsibility and a level of, you know, whether it be financial, whether it be influence, whether it be just people that, you know, the ability to hire folks and and impact your local community. Um, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And we had that happen to us at a fairly young age, uh, that we have, you know, I feel like we're continually kind of you know, living up to that responsibility. Uh, and so this, that, that sense of stewardship of, you know, this is not really just our thing that we created. It's like, there's something bigger here that we are responsible for managing basically, um, you know, related to our business. So I don't know, there's something there as well. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. At least you've got the name for that one. Yeah, exactly. So again, I feel like these are like, I should go like buy the domains or something, you know, in case I ever do something with it in the future, but yeah. I haven't done that yet. So yeah, those are my concepts. Nice. Cool. All right. Drew, you got the next one. I do. And it is from Terry. And Terry asks, hey guys, I enjoy the pencast and all of the helpful information. Brightens my day when I watch you both. (laughs) Question. I know metal barrel fountain pens should not be eyedroppered due to the reaction between the ink and the metal barrel. Do you think that metal ink agitators in the converters should be removed for the same reason? There are some metal floaty bits in converters as well as some cartridges, Brian. Yes. What's up with that? What say you? Oh, I got some things to say about this. Um, So um, it makes sense. Like, Terry, just at first glance, you're like, ink, metal, no, no, shouldn't go together. Ink, metal, no, no. That's what they say. But if you think about it, what are nibs made of? (gasps) Nibs are made of metal, right? So it's not all metal is equal. Right. So now you're getting into like 
physics and chemistry and stuff like that, right? So um, not all metals the same. So you have some metals that will corrode with prolonged contact, whether it be, you know, ink is mostly water and there's some salt and some other chemicals and stuff in there. So you, you don't want anything that's going to rust or corrode, right? So things like nickel, brass, copper, aluminum, iron, stuff like that, you know, basically if it's, if you leave it outside and it's going to weather patina, something like that, it's not going to be good for contact with ink, right? Um, so that's oftentimes you see pens that are made of things like aluminum or there's like brass parts in there. There's chrome plated, you know, trim pieces and stuff like that. Um, those are all going to corrode with prolonged ink contact. Maybe not immediately, but over time, it's not going to be good for the structural integrity of the pen. And you might get some like rusty floaty bits and stuff that are not what you want that would float around in your ink and clog up your pen and stuff like that. So that's why in, as a general rule, you say don't eyedropper metal pens, but there are some metal pens that you can eyedropper. But it's most metal be little... pens are made of brass. Yeah. Um, and then aluminum probably second after that. Or like the inner parts of a lot of pens are made of brass. Yeah. There's and a then lot those of, yeah. full metal mm-hmm. pens are usually aluminum. Aluminum, brass. Yeah, there's some copper and stuff like that. Um, a lot of times it's more like the trim pieces and stuff that are in there. But if you have an entire metal pen, yeah, I think aluminum is the most popular that you see. So the agitators that we see in converters <clears throat> and cartridges are most likely stainless steel then? Probably stainless steel. Yeah, I think. You or know, gold. You could, yeah, I doubt they're balls of gold. I think the but, ones in the disposable know. platinum cartridges are probably gold. <laughs> probably, probably not, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, things like um, stainless steel, titanium, gold, uh, pretty much any precious metals like platinum, ruthenium, iridium, all these things. Uh, those, you know, any of the really, really hard metals uh, probably uh, would be more inclined to do that but it really comes down to the the chemistry right so um that's what i meant i don't know specifically what all the agitators are made of but it's probably stainless steel that's the most affordable of all the ones you mentioned yeah exactly so uh i think you're going to be fine like obviously if they're putting agitators in converters and cartridges they know they're going to be immersed in ink that's what they're designed for so i've never heard of anybody having an issue with any of them in i their... mean not not for not for the reason of corrosion or deterioration anyway. no i mean they might not like how they sound or whatever you know but or they displace some degree of ink but uh no i think that that uh you don't have to worry about trying to take them out of there. That's they're there for a reason. Yeah, and they're good tested. Luck, good that luck purpose. with that. Anyway, that don't, that yeah, would I don't not be easy. Know how you'd really even do that? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but again, you you can eyedropper some metal pens, but it's just not ideal for most metal pens, and it's got to be the right type of metal. Well, there you have it. Is that it? That's it. That's it. I'm not going to go into a deep dive down with chemistry and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we feel like we just covered it just just enough. That was just nice. Enough. That was nice. All right. Uh, next question. This is from Bill. It's a nice long one, Drew. So I hope you can stick with me. Bill asks, says, I bought a pack of four or five very cheap Jinhao pens to use with a different color ink in each. Makes sense. I love the Goulet 1.5. Four millimeter stub nib. That's not a thing. Maybe 1.5. 1. 1. 5, yeah. Okay. So I've replaced all the nibs on these pens. Okay. But all of them fail to keep the nib wet with ink. They're like dip pens where very every or sorry, every few paragraph I have uh, to manually feed the ink to the nib. I don't think the culprit is the Goulet nib because I put one of the original Jinhao nibs back on one of them and I'm still seeing the same problem. So now I blame the feed. Maybe they need a Drule feed cleaner. Um, Is there anything that you can do to fix the feeds or should I chalk it up to you get what you pay for and throw away the pens 
and the Goulet nibs, I guess. Don't throw away the Goulet nibs, Bill. Hang on to those. You can use them on something else. I, I, I'm finding that the universe wants me to be a hoarder because every time I throw away something, I find like I need it the next week. So. Really? Oh my God, yes. See, I never throw anything away. I threw away some green polyester pants last year and now I need them. What? Right? Why do you need green polyester pants? I, th- it's too long to get into, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you think that you're not going to need something. Is it for like a costume of some it kind? Is, okay. Yeah. okay that makes um, sense. But still, I'm like, <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, um, thank you, uh, Bill. So my first thought was about the nib and the output because mm-hmm. a larger stub nib like that is going to put down more ink and is mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. a little bit more demanding. So it's going to yeah. want to draw more from the feed, from the converter. But you said that the same thing happened to the original uh, nib. So let's probably it's probably not the demand issue. Mm-hmm. However, those Jinhao feeds are a little stingy with the ink. The mm-hmm. ink channel are two very, very thin channels, which... Now, I can also say that I've seen similarly thin channels on feeds that do perform a little bit better. So Mm. maybe that's not completely it, but it's definitely a factor. No one would say that those uh, ink channels are massive, you know, so that Mm. that can be said. Um, And then I can also say that Jinhao is a very, very value priced pen. And because of that, the capping might not be great. So one of mm. the not, one of those factors is probably not the end all be all issue that you're seeing. It might be a combination of a high in demand nib, a feed that isn't built for a massive output, and a capping situation that is probably keeping that feed a little more dry. So if you mm. added all those three things together, it's probably two of the three that are giving you a hard time. Um, you could mess with your feed. I don't recommend it. I've tried it. It's not easy. Mm. It's way more easy to adjust an ebonite feed for additional flow because it's a hard rubber. You can kind of like carve it a little bit. Um, And then you could also grind it because it doesn't melt under heat. Um, With plastic, Plastic. like the Jinhao feed you're talking with, you can't take a little Dremel to it because it will melt, get disgusting. It'll leave little bits and pieces. Ebonite just kind of like spritzes like ebonite dust everywhere mm-hmm. with plastic it just melts creates all sorts of like mm. it like it's like parting it with mush it's it's not pretty and you so you could use a razor blade and like like, or like really, an exacto knife yeah, yeah so that, you yeah. could use a craft knife to get in there mm-hmm. but again it's 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 a very it's not easy you're, to carve out and you're it, hardcore into experimental and one little land. slip yeah. like cuz you have to put some strength down one little slip and you got your finger so i do not recommend it um, I would just say that Jinhao is a great value brand for if you wanted to give somebody a starter pen or if you wanted just a, you know, a good pocket pen to beat around, not worry about losing it or something. like mm. They're great for that. If you're a little bit more serious about your writing experience, probably not where you end up. It might be where you begin, probably not where you end up. But mm. at least you've now got the experience to know what you like and the Jinhao may have helped you get there. However, for long term, you might want to think about upgrading. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I mean, because they are relatively inexpensive pens, those would be the ones you want to experiment on. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you were like, okay, I'm, I may or may not sacrifice this pen, mm-hmm. you know, by trying to, you know, cut this feed larger or something like that, um, you know, that watch some YouTube videos if you can. We haven't done any on that because we have not gotten into feed modification that definitely warranties any no i haven't i have not <laughs> found a way to, to do it violates it. any warranty you would yeah i have find, not found a way to do it that what i would endorse anybody doing i've never seen anybody do it other than the exacto knife method which was disclosed as like this is not a reliable method 
but there's nothing better, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're definitely in. There's also nothing exacto your, about it. <laughs> you could end up with a huge well, beat or nothing at all. That's know? true. It's it's hard to fine tune. It's really yeah. you're working with some extremely fine tolerances there. Also, just making sure your pen's clean. I mean, that's these are some basic things, but you know, if there's some dried up ink in there or whatever, if you have a pen that's already a little bit stingy, maybe the cap's not sealing quite so well. It's kind of dry where you are. I don't know. It could be a dry ink too. So make sure you yeah. have an ink that flows really, yeah. really well. Something that's not too saturated of a color. Something a yeah. little bit lighter, maybe. Go with I mean, like a like a light orange or something. Yeah. If Bill's using different color ink and everything, I would assume that there's some variety, and maybe it's if it's a consistent issue happening with all the pens. You know, because I was going to say, too, it's like a less expensive pen, so it's possible there could be a little inconsistency. Mm -hmm. It could be some pens are fine, some are not. But if it's a consistent experience across many different pens, you know, then that pretty much, I mean, with four or five pens, I feel like that should pretty much give you a, a base, you know, of yeah. what you should expect. Yeah, it's probably the nib in the feed. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. Or just keep forcing it down. And just Hopefully at this it. point, you know exactly what you like and therefore mm -hmm. what you are looking to invest in. Because for the price of a Goulet nib, which I think are great, mm -hmm. uh, you could also get yourself, you know, a really solid kind of, you know, uh, $25, $30 pen in that range. You know, you could yeah. be really happy with a Twisby or something like that. Yeah, there you go. All right. True. We got the last one here. We're going to move on to a question from Jess. And Jess asks... Fountain pens were a lifesaver due to having ADHD. I use it to add novelty to the workday and keep me interested in my work as I love changing inks and pens and taking notes. Also, it affects memory and writing notes is better for recollection than typed notes. Mm. Absolutely, I love mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, I see a huge overlap with the bullet journal communities as well as fountain pens. Is this you hear often from your customers slash community? Oh, do we hear this often? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, there's there's certainly an overlap with bullet journaling. I mean, we carry some bullet journal things, and uh, you know, I've I know Ryder Carroll, spoken with him many times, um, the founder of of the bullet journal method, um, and I believe you know he talks about pretty openly about the whole way that he founded the bullet journal method was because of some childhood learning disabilities. I think ADHD specifically was one of the things that he um, was trying to overcome when he created the bullet journal method. So totally makes sense to me that there would be a strong correlation there. Um, I don't know that I've specifically had, you know, people with ADHD talking about fountain pens in general. I mean, Jess, you, you actually said it pretty well here about like keeping interested in your work and changing inks and pens and stuff like that. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, also just like, I mean, me personally, I like, I'm very tactile, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like I have memory related things that are tied to touch. Um, whereas it's not as much like auditory. So if I'm just like listening or something like that, or even if I'm typing, you know, it's like I'm just typing letters and I'm transcribing more than I'm actually processing things. So when I have to physically write it down because the speed of is, is such that I can't just transcribe, mm -hmm. I'm forced to, you know, listen to what is being said and then just make bullet points or highlights or in a few words, try to summarize what it is I'm hearing. I'm processing it differently in my brain. Absolutely. Um, you can do that with a regular pen. It doesn't have to be a fountain pen specifically. But I know me personally, when I'm using a pen that doesn't feel good in my hand, that then becomes distracting to that process. And I am thinking about, you know, gosh, this pen's not starting right, or I don't like the way it feels or something like that. I'm going to press really hard. My hand's kind of hurting. And that's what I'm thinking about, not the notes. So I actually find that fountain pens like kind of hit this like 
wavelength in terms of like writing speed and tactility that it's pleasing, but then allows me to kind of get in a little bit of a flow state while I write, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And then I can focus a little more on what I'm listening to in my thoughts than on the actual like process of writing it. Yeah. For me, it is this, you know, and I've talked about this before. It's, it's a reset for me mm-hmm. when I'm a little overwhelmed and I just have, you know, issue over issue and it just piles on and piles on. And my brain tries to foolishly comprehend all of it at the same time on the mm-hmm. same wavelength. It's like yeah. a, it can't separate out anything. It all just goes on top it's like a very, very thin column that one goes on top of the other, on top of the other, instead of being spread out, you know? Mm. And when I have a break, and it can come in a lot of forms, you know, mm. and I've got many of them, but the fountain pens is one of them. Fountain mm. pens, writing with a fountain pen is absolutely one of them. Okay. It just kind of just, you know, shakes up the etch a sketch and gives me a blank slate. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'll write a little bit, either just take some notes mm. or just perform some sort of a, you know, like an ink change or just you know remind myself oh what color was in here or what nib do i have on this and i'll just doodle a little bit mm. you know do one of my standard things where i write the names of something or the phonetic alphabet or something like that mm. and then i cap it and i'm like and i have no idea what i was doing before that but that's fine <laughs> that's fine that's kind of yeah. the goal it's like, you a, know? Re- it's like a reset button. yeah it really yeah. is and, and fountain pens are great for that because mm. like you said they engage a lot of senses mm-hmm. you know there's a tactile sense there's a visual sense and sometimes it's an auditory sense, you know, depending on what type of pen you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, if it if you're if it's a very very fiddle friendly pen, then yeah, definitely you can make some sounds with it. But mm-hmm. it does connect a lot of dots, and I find that to be super super helpful when I'm looking for that reset. Hmm. Do you ever find that it's uh, distracting? Like if you I don't know, because sometimes I'll. <clears throat> Maybe I don't have the best uh, pen cleaning habits and I go to use a pen and it like runs out of ink or I find out it's not cleaned. I'm like, oh, let me go over and clean this pen. I'm like, oh, actually I have others to clean. And then before I know it, I'm not actually sitting down and writing anything. I'm cleaning and taking apart pens and, you know, so there's like a double-edged sword there that can happen with fountain pens. For you, there's a double-edged sword, Uh, yes. Yes, maybe. I I protect myself from that because I know I don't want to be there because, yes, absolutely, that would be totally distracting. Yeah. But, no, for for me, for me, not so much. I mean, mean, bottom line, I can get distracted from just about anything, so might as well minimize that, right? Yeah. I will say it's less distracting being in this room while we're recording. Yeah. Normally we both have windows in our offices. Yeah. I was looking at the bees last time. There were a lot of bees. I will say Drew commented about the bees. And then after we recorded, I walked over and I was, I was like, like, look at my bees. I was like, holy crap. There's a lot of bees in that tree. There <laughs> were like freaky. dozens yes. of like bumblebees like up in that tree. Yeah. It was pretty freaky. There's a lot of bees. But they're friendly. They're, they're pollen. Yeah, we like things. bees. There's a lot of pollen. A lot of pollen oh in Virginia right God. now. Did, have, you, have you used your windshield wipers for it yet? Oh, yeah. I did this morning. Drew and I both drive black vehicles, so mm-hmm. it's like coated in yellow dust. It's pretty disgusting. Um, yeah, so I mean, going back to the question here, I've, I've definitely mentioned in previous pencasts about mental health and journaling and fountain pens and kind of how there's like a really strong correlation there, and we keep hearing it as a theme, um, especially from people that are like, I've struggled with XYZ mental health things my whole life, and I discovered fountain pens, and it really has opened my eyes and changed my life in so many ways. Um, there's something there. I don't know exactly what, but I would love to explore that more. Maybe there could be a TED talk about that. I don't know to go back to our previous question, but, uh, some, some pretty cool stuff there that's probably worth pursuing further. So thank you for the question, Jess. I really appreciate that. Um, made us think a little bit deeper about it. And, uh, I don't know if y'all have any other like 
things that, you know, mental health things that you find fountain pens are good for or whatever relate to. Um, we're super interested in that. So leave us a comment. We'd love to know more. All right. And now we're out of the Q&A and we're going to go on to the tip of the week. All right. Well, the tip of the week this week comes from a comment that Drew made to me about cleaning out his Lamy converter. He was like, how do you clean these things out thoroughly? And I was like, it's not that big of a deal. We also got a comment on YouTube about it. It's definitely something that people are curious about. Yeah, okay. But sadly, it can't really be done very well Well, that's what Drew thinks, but I seem to have figured out something that Drew hasn't or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Drew's a little milk toast in his approach of taking apart the converter, I think. not just call me a milk toast. Uh, Just just in this respect, just in your converter disassembly. Uh. Um, So, Lamy converter, right? So, I got the Z28 here. Is this this the the common offender? Is this the one that you find? It is, but how do I know you didn't... Does this vex you the most? Yeah, but I don't know where you got that. Did you pre... I, I did you no know, modification to this converter whatsoever. So say. I did. I did pull it out of my desk drawer. I don't know if I've previously disassembled it. So what before. you're saying is that it has been compromised. Well, I definitely took it apart right before we did this because I needed to remember mm, how to do it. So okay. um, it has been taken apart before, but it was not difficult. Anyway, so the problem that that Drew was expressing to me is that when you use the converter over time, um, ink get, can get behind the seal. Like even though there's a double wall seal, it's a pretty thin seal there. Mm-hmm. And it can get back there. Honestly, I don't worry about that with my converters. If there's ink behind that seal and it stays there and it doesn't come out when you clean it, it's, it's probably not going to mix in with your ink. I still don't like looking at it. Well, it's inside your pen, so uh, you don't mm, see it anyway. I know it's there. Just I don't like it. You could just not let it bother you Mm-mm. and you would be fine. Uh, what? But okay, so it might bother you. Okay, so that's what if this I is had for, a button right? for things just to boop not bother me, I would be hitting that button a lot. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the other challenge that you have is you got this little yes. black plastic oh. insert piece, and this is this is kind of unique to Lamy, right? Like I don't, I don't think any other converter has a removable middle piece like this, right? Do you think it may be because the the stuff they make the outside of can outside of the stuff they make the outside of. Anyway, what? can 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 <laughs> the stuff they, the the clear plastic? You think maybe that can warp or deform over time, whereas the black stuff might be a little bit more resilient, or to be to double wall it like that might uh, you know, withstand repeated installations a little bit better. Honest to goodness, I've never really thought to ask them why they have it as two separate pieces. Why they do that? I don't know. I mean, you got the pegs on here, which is kind of a unique thing to Lamy. Um, I don't know if there's like a different manufacturing process, but that shouldn't have anything to do with it. I don't know. You would think they could just mold it all as one piece, right? but that would make sense though. If maybe the, the black plastic served some different purpose, yeah, I don't know. give it a little extra beef. So anyway, the issue that Drew has is that ink can sometimes get caught up behind mm-hmm. a little black and piece And that's here, also upsetting. And that can upset him. Mm-hmm. Neither of these things are actual problems. You could just <gasps> kind of get over it. And go about your life. Ow. I'm just. I'm giving you permission. Dare you? I'm I giving not, you permission. I do not feel seen at all. To well, I'm recognizing. Mm. I'm. I'm hearing you, Drew, and I'm letting you know that I. Our friendship will not be compromised. Okay. I will think nothing less of you. After calling me a milk toast, you, you think just, that our friendship has not been compromised? I, I think I questioned whether you milk toast. <laughs> I don't think I actually said whether you were. Um, so if you have ink behind your piston seal. Or if you have it hanging up here, if okay. you're if you're cleaning out your pen, if you're cleaning out your converter thoroughly enough, then I don't think that anything that would be left there would be actually problematic. Uh, that's my opinion because it's going to be such 
a small amount of anything and it would not actually come into much contact with anything. Um, so what I do, I don't actually have water to like demonstrate this or anything, but basically when I go to clean out my converter, so I do it outside of the pen. I always remove my converter. I flush the pen with a bulb syringe because we're talking about Lamy pens here. That bulb syringe works way better than you screwing and unscrewing the converter, which is super annoying. So I take the converter out and then I clean the converter separately on its own. So some, you can just draw the ink up in the converter and, and the water. dump it out. Yeah, sorry, the water. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. If we do, okay, we've already inked it, but we're cleaning it out. So you're drawing water up in there. Um, and then, you know, some people use a, a syringe. You can use an ink syringe with water and you can actually flush it through the opening of the, the converter. That mm -hmm. is sometimes helpful. It's sort of like a bulb syringe type of a benefit that you're getting, um, you know, but with a converter because your bulb syringe won't do anything for your converter. Um, but that's not really going to solve either of those problems. No, nope, I'm trying up in there. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that I do that specifically doesn't do anything for behind the seal, but can help in the little ink that hangs out behind this little black uh, part here at the bottom um, is I fill it about halfway with water when I go to clean it. And then I cover the hole with my thumb and then I shake the living daylights out of it mm -hmm. because then that water just like is kind of going everywhere and it's kind of being forced to interact with as much as would realistically come in contact with when your pen is filled. Um, and that will usually get most anything out of there. Now, there may be some water still kind of hanging up behind there. And when you have something that's in such close contact like this, it's not actually much water that's there, but the tiniest little droplet there, when you have this in between the black part and the clear part, it's going to like spread out over half the thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to look like there's a ton there, but there's not actually much of anything there, which is why I say, just don't worry about it. But it can be removed if it's truly bothersome. So mm -hmm. personally, that's all I do is I just shake the living daylights out of it and I'll do it a couple of times until I'm shaking it and there's no color change. It's clear water coming out of there. I've tried that. It didn't work. Okay. So if you want to be... Also, a syringe basically does that too. You you really yeah, jet okay. a syringe hardcore sure, sure. in there. You get whoosh. Okay. Fair all, enough. All, those, fair enough. all the power. So... I think it's water. I think it's perfectly okay to just stop there and then just move on with your life. But you can you can disassemble the converter. I can't if you emotionally really want move to. on after that. Okay, show right, us so how to disassemble this. If thing. you can't emotionally move on, all right. Um, so get something. This is a Goulet grip, a well loved one that's like all torn up, but yeah. whatever. So I actually use them. Uh, so this, or honestly, you can like use a rubber band, or if you have a rubber glove, whatever bike, inner tube, anything that you have there. You just want something that gives you a little extra grip because trying to grab it just with your hands is really tough here. Okay. So, Most of the time I've tried to grab it with my hands. Uh-huh. Yeah. Most of the, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Well, Maybe that's then the that problem. would be more difficult. That would make it more difficult. I can understand why you struggle there. Um, so grab your whatever, gripping object. Um, the piece you're trying to get off is this metal shroud right here. So this is just a shroud that's holding the piston mechanism onto the back of the converter body here. Um, and I find that if you kind of twist it a little bit as you pull it off, then that is going to give you the best likelihood of success. Um, so I've got it partially off there. But okay, so that, that's not just cosmetic. That actually holds some stuff off? Yeah, this is actually is functioning. Oh. Um, so yeah, that's why I wanted to kind of take it apart and why I wanted to show with the, the phone here especially. Um, so as you can see here, if you're watching the video, if you're watching the audio, I will try and explain to you what's going on. Um, oh. So yeah, this mechanism. That thing just came right out. Yeah, it, it's kind of friction fit in there a little bit, um, but it'll it'll unlatch itself. So it's it's friction fit, but it's got these three notches here. So the plastic itself will bend just a little bit mm -hmm. where it holds on there, and it's you can see it's got this like little 
raised, this, this is all very, very small and slight, but it's got this little raised portion right here. So what that's actually doing is that's kind of fitting in and grabbing the converter a little bit. And then when you have the metal shroud over top, that is locking it in place. Oh yeah, so, like, a, like a little plumbing doodad. Yeah. Like a, on, a P, like on a P-trap, you know, they have yeah, little, little grippy, grippy rings. Yeah, exactly. A grippy, grippy P-trap ring. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's doing. So it's, it's a pretty elegantly simple you know, design, uh, but you have to be able to get that metal shroud off, and then you can just pull this thing. Okay, out. you know what? I have not been using a grip. I have. I don't even. I don't think I have one of those in my See? office. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I try okay. That. So, um, you really don't need to take it <clears throat> apart much further than this. You can if you want to, um, and you can just remove that part out. I wouldn't take it apart any further than this because you're just kind of asking for trouble. Right. There's no um, benefit to it. No, not really. At that point, you can clear out all of all the ink yeah. from the uh, actual gasket. Yeah. And honestly, it's plastic on plastic. It's not a high amount of friction or anything like that. Um, if you want to throw a little silicone grease on the threads inside the converter, I mean, this is, it's a converter we're talking about here. It's yeah. what, like $6. So if you want to spend the time on it, you know what? Go for it. It's your pen if you want. A little silicone grease on here will make it... Shoo, just glide. Yeah, it's not going to hurt anything. Yeah. But if you have a lot of ink that's gotten behind the seal, there could be a little ink on here too. Just kind of wipe that off. Um, and then there's a little bit of, um, you know, uh, a ring like gasket type thing happening here. A little bit of silicone grease on here will actually help it to operate smoothly uh, up and down inside the, the body. So if you got that, then I find the best tool to actually clean it out is just a cotton swab. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost the perfect diameter to be able to get in there and you can clean it all out and get all the junk out. And then, you know, you can get a little bit of that kind of friction. You know, sometimes if you get some, some of those inks that hang up in there and leave a little bit of that oh, like yeah. pinkish hue or something like that, you know, put a little bit of dish soap on here, a little bit of pen flush on the Q-tip. And then actually with physical contact, it will help to kind of scrub it and get it better. So, um, and then sometimes without removing this part, even just using the, the swab, you can kind of jam the swab in there and it'll actually like wick away the extra moisture and stuff. So even just removing the back off of there and you don't want to remove this part, if you don't feel like doing that, just the cotton swab can help to get most of that moisture out and maybe that'll be good enough for you. Uh, but if not, then you can actually remove this piece. Um, and it's just friction fit. It you just sho shove it out, It kind of snaps right? in place. Yeah, I, yeah, you need to shove it out, but I don't know if a Q-tip itself will do it. Um, I'll try it, but uh, it's like sort of not really wanting yeah. to do it. Um, so I have a kind of an arsenal of tools. I have a little like screwdriver thing. Nope, that one's not gonna reach. Um, paper clips. I so, feel like a chopstick would do really well here. Chopstick might do well. Well, yeah. no, it might it might taper too much to actually get all the way in. Maybe, it depends. You Basically, you just need something long and thin to be able to get in there. So again, this is all based on your own level of comfort. Um, if you wanna kind of push it, I don't know if you can kind of get a grip on there. It's not like flush against the side, so it, it, it is a little tough to get in there. Um, so oh, uh -oh. maybe I don't have the right tools to actually. You didn't rehearse this, did you? No, not quite. Um, another way that you can do it. All right, this is the last of your tools, Brian. I, bought. I know, I'm like really having to, well, actually, I wonder if I, I don't know if that would fit in there. No. See, I, I was, I used no. to be able to do this with the uh, Z24. Yeah, like that one, one, it did remove easier, but it's it's not that vastly of a different design. But I haven't done it with the new one. And so, I think, I think that the, uh, Here's what I'm gonna do. So I just I just bent over a little hook. Oh! So I'm gonna try hooking it. Oh my! And pulling it out. Okay. See this these I don't know these paper clips are weird. They've got like a coating on it. Oh yeah, those are weird. So it's kind of fatter than it needs to be. So we're gonna see if I can actually do this. If not, then you'll get, at least get it in concept. If 
but I feel like I want to try to redeem myself a little bit after the last <laughs> the ink uh, disaster. That, that was I had. a little. That was that left me blue. Yeah. Okay. So I got a little hook in there. So I'm gonna see if I can. Ah, oh, this coating on this paperclip is not, oh, not helping me out. That was a good idea, though. Oh, hey, got there it. we go. Nailed it. Okay. So obviously, you got to be careful because oh, it's, it's kind of bouncy. It's pretty thin plastic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I feel so like the old like, ones weren't that thin. It's actually soft. I think it's soft. Yeah, I, the old ones were not like that. The old ones were solid. Unless I'm just totally not remembering. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably it. So there you go. So that's how you get it off. And then, you, of course, you can use cotton swab or whatever the heck, a paper towel that you kind of twist up. And uh, yeah, you can get it. So the only thing is, I wouldn't do this all the time because, you know, you're going to mangle the thing yeah, over time. Yeah, chunk it up a little bit there. It's pretty soft. Like, you can see there, I'm like squishing it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it is doing that. Yeah. And then just heard it. to put it back in, you just push it. How about that? Okay. And, that in, and then this goes back in. It, it doesn't go in any specific way, um, which is kind of nice too, because basically, you know, if you've ever disassembled, reassembled like a Twisby pen, you know, you have to put it in a very specific way. Yeah. Right? Because it screws in. But not with this. But this is just press fit. So yep. literally, as long as that thing is, is in place, you just press it in and then you're good to go. And then the metal shroud just slides back on, which putting it back on, I find you can do it with your fingers. I feel like my problem is that I have not been able to get that metal shroud off. If you do that, that will change the whole game. Yeah. So get something that has a little bit of grip to it and then get that metal shroud off. And then I think it'd be good to go. So again, this is like, it's not a super expensive item. They're very replaceable, readily available. But me personally, when I'm cleaning out a converter and I find that it's like got a little bit of friction to it because I know how to take them apart, I'm like, this could be so much better. Yeah, why not? I'll pull it apart, put a little silicone grease on there, clean it up, and then it just feels so good. So All yeah, right. You know, you go. pro tip. I can say you, you, you've you convinced me to give that another try. I, right. I, cool, I see cool. the error in my ways. And, well, it, uh, I think you're a good representation for what any reasonable person would do, right? So it's I like, mean, it's clearly not meant to be disassembled. Lamy didn't say, here, let's build this thing that people can be can, can be easily like, serviceable. Yeah, they're not like advertising it as a user serviceable thing. No, you know? I mean, if, it, if it were, it would be threaded. Yeah, but at the same time, you can take it apart without destroying the thing. You that, know what I mean? That's so, always good. So I like to talk about it just because it's something. It's, it's like a pro tip. It's like if somebody's using their pen a lot and they want to have a better experience, I think you're fully able to do that with this converter. Other converters are not so easy to do that. Most of the standard international converters now are press fit and they are not meant to come apart. That's true. Pilot's converters not really meant to come apart, yeah. whereas they used to be. So it's- Platinums are easy to dis disassemble. Platinum is the best because theirs is threaded. You know what I think you, you know what I think is the best? The, mm. the old uh, Monteverde clear converters. Oh yeah. I loved those. Mm. Those were great. You could fit them in anything standard international. They were yeah. a little bit shorter. A little shorter. Which they made, don't feel as solid. They're a little like flimsy Feeling, in I don't my know. Opinion. They're not bad. Yeah, they're, they're not. Like, I love those. Are my favorites because they're they're enough, super easily disassembled. Obviously, they're more cheap than uh, mm -hmm. more affordable than the platinum converter. So yeah, true. The platinum ones are expensive. Yeah. But there you go. A little pro tip on the nice. line converters. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I appreciate that, Brian. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad. Hopefully, that can help y'all out too. All right. Um, now we're gonna go into the pen spotlight. Uh, I'll stop this for you. Oh, thank you, Drew. You're welcome. How, how gracious. That's why I'm here. Move it out of the way. Taking um, that out of here. All right. So next thing we're gonna move on, and we're gonna talk about Pelican and their numbers in our spot. All right. So this one came uh, as a request on the YouTube's, and all the tubes. I figured we could talk about this, but uh, Brian and I are just gonna come right out and say, not experts on on this. 
We're not nobodies, but there's nope. Pelican's been around a long time. It is. And we are not vintage Pelican experts. So we can't say like definitively what every Pelican model that's ever been made. This is more like means. what currently is, not necessarily what has been. Mm, that's pretty pretty safe way to disclaim it, I think. So all this to say we are we are maybe uh, spotlighting these Pelican numbers, not trying to be the end-all be-all authority, but we're opening up the conversation for others who may know more to be able to engage in the comments and and expound upon what we're talking about. Um, but we can at least give you a pretty decent idea because Pelican has a lot of pens that especially if you're looking at them online, a lot of them can kind of look pretty similar. Yeah, the question we got was specifically about the numbers. Someone mm-hmm. asked, like, you've got What's the difference between 600, 800, 200, 400? And then some of, yeah. us are, some of them are 800, 805. Like, if you don't know what you're looking for, those numbers mean nothing to you. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like you have certain cars where you're like, the car model is just a string of numbers and letters. And yeah, you're like, well, yeah, like, I can like, tell like, there's uh, some kind of convention here, but I don't know what that is. Right. Uh, Mazda is a great <laughs> example. We, we, we have a um, mm. CX-5, but okay. there's also a CX-3 and a CX-9 and like, what what even is that? What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're different sizes, like Pelican. Yeah. Actually, not a bad analogy to go with there. I know all um, the cars things. Yes, uh, clearly. Um, so, disclaimer out of the way, we don't know everything, but we'll try and at least point you in the right direction. So, the kind of like TLDR summary version of all this is basically the lower the number, the smaller the pen. The larger the number, the bigger and usually more expensive the pen. So, that's pretty good pretty good way to go about it so and you're i'm talking mainly like the first number so um you know before we get all into like the i guess the numbered pens we'll talk about the pelican they have the twist and the pelicano and the pelicano junior and all that we're not really talking about that stuff that's different it's the souvron series right so it's the m 200 400 600 800 1000 whatever and they're all Um, piston yes they're all piston um generally speaking there may have been other versions i don't know right. at some point in history yeah but generally speaking you're talking about piston filled pens um and usually the smaller the number the smaller the pen so starting out with i mean so the, the there's a there's a one one oh one n or like a, there's a 300s in there somewhere those are mysterious to me they're and they're older they're older and they brought some back but they're kind of vintage callbacks i don't know uh, that's where I'll just say I don't even really know how those fit in, to be honest with you. But as far as the regularly offered stuff, you have it basically starts with the 200, and that's the that's a steel nib pen. So that one's kind of different from the rest of them. It's smaller, steel nib pen, still got a nice piston, still writes great, and it looks you know modeled after the other ones, but it's not quite as intricate, not as many like embellishments like trim rings and stuff like that. So that's a good one to kind of just start with if you're looking to get into pelican but there's going to be a jump in price a jump in you know writing experience and stuff like that going past the 200 to the 400 um so the nibs are getting bigger the bodies themselves are getting bigger and that's where the gold comes in right and gold starts at the 400 yeah so um now within these numbers you have like the m200 m205 m215 so like the the first number designation refers to we'll call it like the model like the model series and then then you have the, the size the yeah the, the first number the is size. like the size okay yeah that's your like cx3 cx5 yeah. that kind of thing um so then beyond that you're actually talking about the trim so the color of the trim so it's actually pretty sensical so if you have an m200 
it's going to have gold trim, like yellow gold trim. There you go. Uh, if you have a 205, it's going to have rhodium trim. So if you look at that, whatever the color of the pin body, you know, that's usually like the, what you call the, I don't know, the, the, they're usually pretty straightforward to some of them. It's like black with gold trim or whatever. Um, but some of them have, you know, specific names. Like I think about the, uh, what was it? The, they had the 805 uh, Ocean Swirl, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have Ocean Swirl, it's like that's the resin, right? That's the resin material. Um, but it's the the number designation tells you about the size of it and the trim. So uh, the 00 designation on the, on the end there of the model is the gold trim. The 05 is the rhodium trim. And then the 200 series is the one that has the 15. I, they, maybe they've done it in some other ones, but not regularly. Um, but the 15, it has metal rings like within the body of the pen. So you look at the M215, there's different versions of the M215, but it has these metal rings kind of uh, inside the body. So it's also rhodium color, but it has rings. I don't know. That's just kind of how they do that. Um, so would like a 210 be gold rings? I don't think I've ever seen a 210, but that would be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be interesting. Would, I'm, yeah. I'm going to remember it as though mm. since 00 comes before 05, mm-hmm. I'm going to think gold is more vintagey, and it came first. Okay. Gold's a more vintage trim, you know? So okay. it came first. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I need that. Okay. Yeah. It does get a little confusing. I need that. Um, But basically, once you know these numbers, you start to see the pens and you just like, oh, okay. It sort of just kind of makes sense. Um, And that's that's largely what we want to talk about. But it is kind of hard. Like if you saw, you know, a 400 next to a 600 or a 600 next to an 800 or an 800 next to a 1000, and and you had no, and they weren't side by side, it'd be really hard to tell which one was which. Yeah, if you're just looking at like stock images on a white background, it's really hard to tell what actually makes them different. If you're not looking like a specific color or some special edition. You could tell between like a 1000 and a, you know, uh, 600 probably just because the nib takes up a lot more real estate in comparison to the grip. But yeah. But if you don't know the pens that well. Like an eight and a six, I would have a really hard time telling the difference between that if you put those both against a white background. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, tough. so there are there are some differences um, uh, between you know we could get more detailed about the differences between the different models, but I don't think that was the nature of the question. No, it, was it was mainly more about, about the, the numbers. numbers. Yeah, um, but yeah, basically you go you know four hundred and six hundred, um, you know those are both going to be gold nibs, um, but. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what the difference is between those two. I think there's a jump in size there. But it at uses some the point, same size nib. at some point, the hardware, the piston hardware, becomes metal as That's well. That's the eight hundred. So the six hundred has mostly like plastic innards, mm-hmm. so it's not as heavy. And it's a little thinner. The 800 is where you get some like brass parts and stuff. And that's where it gets to add some weight. So the 800 and the 1000 are bigger pens, but they also have more internal weight because of the pen parts. Uh, I know that. And the nib is going up in size. I think I think the 400 and the 600 uses the same size nib. I think just the body is slightly bigger on the 600. If I'm not mistaken, I would have to like refresh that. Um, but I think that's how it goes. But either way, you're getting a little more as you go up in size, a little heavier, a little bigger, whatever. Um, but that pretty much gives a designation, but they're all generally proportionally fairly similar. 
and stuff like that. Similar color offerings on a lot of their standard pens, but they do special editions a lot of times only in a particular model. So that honestly is most of the time what dictates which ones people buy is because the special editions have so much more you know demand for them, at least for what we see yeah, we, than the standard line. That's what we normally focus in on. Yeah. So it's like if a color comes out in an M600, well, that's just what you get because that's what they came out with in the color. Yeah. It's rare for us to ever have all of the models that we've talked about, the two, four, six, eight thousand, um, mm-hmm. all in stock at the same time. Like I don't know if we've ever had even the opportunity to say, it's like, let, let's go, let's go it's pull some rare. from the warehouse and compare yeah. them. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever had that opportunity. Yeah. And that also makes sense too, why you think about like some of the limited editions you see, they're pretty much gonna be on like thousands, the bigger thousands, the yeah. biggest ones. Yeah. Sometimes the eight. Yeah, sometimes the eight, but usually the one thousand. Because yeah. that's the flagship, <clears throat> you know, size. That's more of like a Montblanc one forty nine size. Yeah. It's right know. up there for a lot of it's folks big. grill pen. It's a huge nib. It's a pretty sweet pen. But anyway, I think the M six hundred is probably like the most popular. That's the nice middle ground. It's yeah. comfortable for people with all pen like hand sizes. You know, and we also see a fair you know, number of special editions in that size as well. It's probably why. Like, yeah. it's probably a more popular universal like size pen and price point. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot of special editions, um, and that seems to be pretty good. And then the eight hundred has a few as well, but that gets up there in price a little bit. You're in yeah, the there's a five, jump over five hundred at that point. All about those brass innards. That's right. You know, somebody's got to pay for them innards. <laughs> there you go. So hopefully that clears up a little bit on Pelican. There's a lot more vintage stuff to get into, which we won't, but um, it's a pretty fascinating brand and uh, they make great pens. So glad I would love to know if someone out there, which I'm sure there is, knows the mm-hmm. difference between why they do the M. I would love to know that because I know that there wa- there's also an mm-hmm. N and uh, that has to mean something, right? I've seen the N at the end, like the M101N. What does that mean? Tell us. Oh, please. These things. I have, I have a couple of books on like Pelican that I can crack open. You don't have time for that. Try not to super deep dive. We went long on the converter thing so if y'all want to know more let us know and maybe we'll dive into it more in a future episode all right now we've got done with the education now we get to talk about some nonsense and the what's happening all right drew tell us about this dang puppy man that, that's, that's all, all that, we want to hear about that's all that happened I, i'm looking into the camera lens and all i'm seeing is a reflection of this corgi like from your shirt in the lens looking right at me this whole episode i'm like tell me about your puppy that's right um well we got a puppy brian yeah you did this is our third corgi um third overall we did have one pass away a little mm. over a year ago that was our first you know together pet uh, mm. after we got married almost yeah. immediately after we got married mm. And uh, so he was 12, uh, and that was, that was a sad moment. So mm. about a year later, we finally got another one after searching for a rescue for a year and not being able to get one. Um, mm. We wanted a corgi because we were familiar with the temperament. We knew how mm. big they were going to get, and yeah. that's, that's a big issue. When, you're, when you are committing to that responsibility, mm. I think it's really important that you know what temperament you're looking for, what set of responsibilities you're going to be bringing mm. into your home, and, uh, Plus you had two corgis. Yeah, you know, so that that well together. Yeah, and, we yeah. wanted to be responsible about that. So we did want that same breed. So uh, my wife Shannon, she ended up saving up for one all on her own, and wow. we did the thing. So wow. she selected a breeder super close by, only about four and a half hours away. I know people that are driven a lot further. Believe it or not, I tell you, like it's just it's so crazy to me that I can drive four and a half hours. And from not even, we're not even on the East coast of Virginia. No. We're we're like like central Central Virginia. And yet I'm still driving four and a half hours and I'm still in Virginia. Yeah. And it's not a huge state. It's just. 
It's pretty it's, big. It's, it's, it's long. It's deceptively long. Yeah, yeah. and you were I driving mean, down like into the corner. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you went to college out there. I did. You, was, you went further than you drove like two hours past. I went to Virginia Tech, and, and that's, that's like still, two hours past Virginia yeah. Tech. Yeah, that's still a ways out there. So, long but we got the puppy. His name is what is his name? Felix. His name is Felix. I want to say like Alex. I'm like that's not a dog name. No. Um, that's name a is Felix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, Felix the puppy is here. His ears haven't popped up yet, so he doesn't have pointy corgi ears yet. They're floppy corgi ears, hmm. but uh, he's peeing on everything. So there's as, that, as one would as, do, as, as yeah. puppies mm-hmm. are wont to do. Yes, but uh, my son's not terrified of him anymore. When we first oh. told Archer that we were going to get a puppy, he started crying <laughs> because we had told him we we had told him just like in 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 a casual conversation that we forgot that puppies are bitey and oh gosh. they have sharp teeth and. And he they, just like really latched on to that. Of course, in true Shannon fashion and every member of Shannon's family, worst case scenario, just oh, instantly into his head. <laughs> so yeah, I, every time he does that, I look at her, I'm like, this is you. This is you. <laughs> you did this. Congratulations. <laughs> so he just started crying. Like what kid starts crying when they hear, puppy. we're going to get a puppy. Ah! Wow. Uh, so anyway, he he loves him. Obviously he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. like, he's not biting at all. I'm like, well, great, but. Yes. He, he might. He so, might. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah, just feed that fear. Feed oh, that fear. God. Yeah. So either way, he's adjusting well. He's crying all through the nights, though. Like mm. the dog, just, not your son. No, not my son. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fine. Past, he's past that stage. He's past that phase. Yeah. But he, yeah, the dog is whiny. He's in the crates downstairs. Mm. So okay. luckily, he's not keeping us up. But uh, he's being a little dramatic about things. Well. But he doesn't know what he's going on. No, it's he's delightful. Good, it's delightful having a little puppy running around. But yeah. um, we did pull up some rugs um, okay. and hid them. So oh, really? Yeah, we had the living room rug is now under the. Oh, is it because of the pee? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. we have ruggables, so they're the ones you can wash. In yeah, the, yeah. Okay. In the, in the thing, so yeah. there's like a base layer, like a Velcro sort of grippy okay. layer, and then you can just take the rug up and throw it in the washer. I've never so, heard of this. That's cool. They're they're a little bit more expensive, but. Dogs won't ruin them with Not their pee. More expensive than having to get them clean constantly, which is where we were, yeah. or throwing them away. Because if you don't right. find the pee, then all <sighs> hope is lost, and that thing yeah. is just doomed. Yeah. So, but even still, even still, Brian, like the couch is on it, and there's a chair halfway on it. So uh, yeah. taking it up and putting it down, taking it and putting it, we're like, you know, no, I can no. do that sometimes, but wait with, till wait till his house trained. And then yes, yes, then the back, rug yeah. can come back. Yeah. So. It'll come back, but uh, mm-hmm. for now the rug is gone. Yeah. And um, but all is well. We have a puppy now. We're trying to remember all the things we did ten plus years ago on how to properly housebreak a dog. So good thing, that, that's good thing like adventure. nobody wants corgis anymore over the last oh ten my years. Gosh. Everybody, what like, like, I blame I blame the internet for you making were them like, so popular. Yeah, you were like trendy. You know, before they were cool. You can literally say I had corgis before they were cool. Well, before Instagram, like yeah. Instagram ruined it for anybody who wants to buy a corgi. Because like, yeah, good yeah. luck. You're not going to Disney in the next 10 years. You yep. have a corgi now. You have a corgi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that's that been it. He's he's adorable. I'll put up a picture and video or something for everybody to oh. to meet if Felix. You, if you don't do that, there will there will be yeah, well, an outlash. Yeah. An, out, an outlash? Backlash. 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 Outbreak of, outbreak of backlash. Outbreak of backlash. Yes. So we'll yeah. definitely make that happen. So that's that's been my week. And then uh, mm. last week, I will say that I did not write with yellow ink like I said I was going to do. Yeah, we I were supposed them. to talk about that. I got you were, the you ink. were really excited I about that. I am still excited. I just was too busy. I didn't write like anything last week. Okay. I was editing the pen cast. Yeah, and that's it sucked. true. That's true. Ah. Oh. 
Yeah, not only did Drew edit the Pengas, but like I tried to record it from here. Normally I do it at home. I forgot the like plug-in for the camera, so I had to use batteries and we went through like three batteries. So we had to keep stopping it and he had to stitch yeah. it all together. Yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Apparently I was breathing weird. <laughs> I don't know if it was I don't know what it might have been. It was the mic probably. You were using that extra little piece to add on, but anyway. I usually use that anyway. I don't know what happened. It was a different mic though, right? It was a different mic. Yeah. Same brand. I don't know. Either Whatever. way, somebody, somebody said, I it didn't happened. expect the appearance of Darth, Darth Brian. All right. Well, um, maybe I should add that to one of my things that if I could go back in time, I would <laughs> fix and just go really fresh like that. I would use a different mic. Yeah. Oh, whatever. But that's about, that's it for me. I'm sure there will be more puppy updates because it's it's a new world oh. and, and it's giving me kid flashbacks too. Oh, just, yeah? Well, the whole like, just let him cry. Just let him cry. Yeah. When when if you think if he thinks that crying helps, he's gonna keep crying. Oh, like yeah. I'm, I'm hearing you myself. You don't want to reinforce that behavior. Right, I'm hearing myself say a lot of the same <laughs> things I said when Archer was a baby. I'm like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. See, I just have a hamster, and she's like all spazzing out and stuff, and I'm like, have fun in your cage. Like you can feed yourself, you can get your own water. Like you're just peeing everywhere. It's not and, ruining any carpets. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No, we can't let her out of the cage because she's an animal, and she'll just jump and run away probably. Just total spaz, but anyway, that's cool. Yeah. Puppies are fun. I love yeah. other people's dogs. It's my my favorite. Yeah, I, don't I have love a dog. A, but. Yeah, pu- puppies are kind of the worst. Like, <laughs> honestly, well, they have to be really adorable well, so that you like, endure everything you're enduring. Babies right? are kind of the worst too. Oh, yeah. Like I will. I like it's, that first. It's very romanticized. Babies oh my are, god. Babies yeah. are a big big old pain. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> Let me skip that first year in a second. Like, please, no. Like, little kids yes. are great. Little dogs are great, but puppies and babies. Like no, show me a picture. Yeah, that 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 that's have, enough. We have selective memories that help us just remember the cute, really good parts, and not the ninety-eight no. percent, which is just pain and Awful. agony. <laughs> what did you <laughs> have kidding. going on? Um, yeah, speaking of my own kids, uh, so they had spring break last week, so they did not have school. Um, they made the most of it and did almost nothing. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, I was like, you know, because I'm a pretty hard driving dude. I do a lot of things, as you all know, if you watch the Pencast. Not only are we doing the business and the parenting thing, but I also like have projects. Not hard driving with the kids, like you, you personally. You well, mean. okay. I mean, no, I'm I'm not like mean to my kids. <laughs> I wasn't implying that. I, I, you know, I work hard just in general. And, you know, that comes across in how I parent my kids. Like I have expectations for how clean the house should be, which is not that clean. Be really say, like my expectations are pretty low. Based on what we've said here, it it, it would but, seem that. But you know, I'm like not just like cool apple cores and socks talent. everywhere. I mean, you've said this. I mean, that does happen, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't think that it should be okay, happening like that. Yes. So, so expectations like, yeah. are okay. Got I'm you. trying to like teach my kids to become respond. I, I view them as like they're in the process of becoming adults yes absolutely so like that they're not just like oh they're kids whatever right i mean a lot of times i do but you know there's like things that i'm trying to teach them to build life skills and all that and they view all of that as getting in the way of watching youtube videos and playing minecraft yep and i'm like i'm okay with you not wanting to be doing the thing i'm trying to teach you right now because it's not related to minecraft so you know i i whatever i don't know where i'm going with all this but um Kids had spring break. It was great. They had a blast. They stayed up way too late every single night. And then we had to like get them readjusted back to reality. When school was starting, we we're like, y'all are going to have to get up at, you know, 7.15 or whatever. And yeah, they did okay this morning though. 
Um, so yeah, but uh, laid pretty low. Did some cool family stuff. We went to King's Dominion because we have season passes. We it's a theme park that's like fifteen minutes from our house, basically. So we have season passes this year, and my kids really don't like roller coasters very much. So we go, and Joseph just basically wants to get Dippin' Dots and then leave. And I'm like, this is like $10 for a Dippin' Dots. I'm not paying for that. So I basically go, he doesn't Bring want to Bring your own Dippin' Dots. Yeah. We have Dippin' Dots at home. We get it every now and then, but I, you know, he knows the value of a dollar. And he knows it's like very expensive. Anyway, um, so we went there with some friends and had some fun. I rode, uh, what is it, Twisted Timbers, which used to be the Hurler. We're going oh, nerdy Oh, yeah, I remember the Hurler. The Hurler used to be Wayne's World themed. Yes, which pretty rad. shows you how 90s that was. Well, that was um, when King's Dominion had a theme. Now it has no theme. It, well, was, it, was, it was Paramount themed, so everything had like a movie, yeah, movie well, vibe. Now C- it has yeah, like no Cedar, vibe. Cedar Fair bought it, so it's whatever. They I have don't know. Peanuts characters, and that's it. Yeah, well, and that's cool. No, it's not. I mean, my kids know Peanuts characters. Oh, okay. Hanna-Barbera, they didn't know any of that. That's so, true. You know. Well, that was before Paramount. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess so. It was Hanna-Barbera stuff. Where they had like yeah. Captain Caveman running around, but then they did okay. Paramount. And then they had no yeah. characters walking around at that yeah, point. Yeah, okay. They had, yeah, you know, the weird. Twilight Zone stuff. Yeah. And the Hurler. They had Wayne's World. Nickelodeon stuff they had. Yeah, Nickelodeon. That's what it was. Yeah. The kid thing was whole Nickelodeon themed. That's right. Yeah, but now they have, like, no cohesive theme. Even the Peanuts characters, there's no, like... Yeah, that's true. There's no ride themed after them. They just kind of walk around. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have rides named... I'm not trying to rain on your parade. Anyway. King's Dominion is still cool, but... It's not, yeah. as cool as cool, it's not as cool as uh, Bush Gardens. Let me just say that. I'm trying to have a contest out of this. Dag on, Drew. <laughs> Jeez. You got to drive an hour to get to Bush Gardens from here. And I'm not going to do that on like a Wednesday night. Because that's a weekend. Oh, you went on a weeknight. Yeah, we went on a weeknight. Oh. Yeah, because we were going with that. But we're all working. Like, that's we're, right. You know, that's right. It's like our kids had spring break. But like, we're trying true. to get stuff done. Oh, no. I thought you'd, I figured so we you'd go on a weekend. No. All right. No, we didn't. Bold move. We, it was bold, but you know what? It worked out really well. There was did you ride any roller coasters? There. I did. <gasps> What'd you ride? My kids didn't want to go, so I was like, I want to ride it. There was no lines. So yeah, I did the the drop tower, drop zone, it used to be called. It's mm. where they raise you like 250 feet in the air, and then it just drops oh, you. Oh, you like those? Oh, that's my favorite. Oh, oh no, those are my favorite. Too scary. I did it twice. Yeah, it was the best. There were like six people on the thing. It was oh, awesome. Wow. I love that one. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'll totally ride stuff like that. But as I'm aging... I can't. I can only ride like maximum three roller coasters in one visit. Otherwise, I like just feel terrible, like my ugh, headaches and stomach gut. Ugh. I'm way more lame now. Like I'm, I'm, to... I'm like done with roller coasters pretty much. Unless yeah. someone like with me, it's like yeah, let's ride this, and I'm like the one, the only one. I'm not gonna be the only one not to ride something. So I'll mm-hmm. ride anything. Okay. Yeah. But if someone else is not doing it, I'd be like, okay, cool, I won't do it. Cool, I'll sit here and get dipping dots. Yeah, I'm, I love just. <laughs> eating food at theme parks. <laughs> it's like the best part of any theme park, whether it's yeah. Kings Dominion, Busch Gardens, Disney World. Hmm. If I could get if I could get into any of these parks hmm. for less money and like yeah. had like a wristband that doesn't allow me to ride anything, oh. I would absolutely do that. Yeah. Just like give me give me a turkey leg and there you go. set me loose. That's fine. You take, my kids are going to have a good time. Basically, the reason we got the season passes was for the water park in the summer. Oh. Because they're going to have a blast. Yeah, them. water park's fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, we did that. Uh, and then um, it's it's springtime, so there's yard work to do. And pollen. And pollen, yeah. But I successfully got both my kids to help me pull weeds, which was 
I did not expect that to happen. Wow. I always, I always give my kids lots of opportunity. I pay them. Like, it's work. Because I'm like, if I'm going to have to do all this work and y'all are willing to help me. There's a value there. Like, if it's like picking up your own socks, I'm like, I'm not paying you for that. But if it's like doing a project or around the house, doing something that helps like the whole family or, you know, something that improves our property, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll pay you for that. Um, and normally they're like, mm, I don't want to go outside. There's a bug. Ugh, and then they run inside. Yep. But. You know, they actually stuck with it and it's starting to click. The Joseph especially, he's 12 now. And he's like, hmm, if uh, dad's got work to do and I do the work and he pays me, I then have money and I can buy things. And I'm like, yes, since you were four, this is what we've been drilling into your head. Okay, good. So yeah, he's starting to do it. And he, I'm so proud of him. He helped me like several nights or like during the day, night, whatever that I had time. He was helping me pull weeds. He helped me mulch and everything like kind of getting dirty he doesn't like to get dirty and he was doing that stuff and i was like oh dang on okay okay like the kids will actually help if i just offer it a thousand times um so that's kind of cool really enjoyed working with both my kids and we built like lego sets together and stuff like that we had a lot of good kid time on their spring break um and so that was pretty much my whole thing so yeah mowing mulching weeding all that fun fun yard stuff i don't mind that stuff breathing in the pollen oh yeah that yeah. sucks yeah i don't mind like the the aesthetic stuff like you know because there's, there's like an element of mm. strategy to it. Like, you know, like, all right, let me even the mulch here, put a little bit more in this corner. You step back, you look like eh, a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's more engaging to me. I don't mind that yard work. Mm. Cutting grass, though, is like just monotonous drivel. I, I cannot. <laughs> that is what I just I have no patience for. Really? I, oh, wow. yeah. Planting things, mulch, okay. trimming uh, shrubs. I love that. That's like oh, yeah. artistry. Yeah, I didn't I'm like, like oh, yeah, snip, 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 a little bit here. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm a Edward Scissorhands or something, making a nice yeah. llama topiary. There you go. All into that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I did that. I like mulching because you like, especially when your old mulch is like all dried up and kind oh, of yeah. so weathered and you put the fresh mulch down and you're just like, oh, it looks so clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I used like, my hands last time. I was like, I'm, I always use a rake. Really? And then- so but, spread them all by hand. Yeah, huh? it was so mm. much better because I was fine. I was like getting the rake in between the shrubs and flinging it everywhere. And then I just oh. got down. I was just like. Rawr! Oh, yeah. If you're going in between shrubs. Yeah. And I'm like, this was so much faster and so much yeah. easier. Like, you get dirtier, but mm. yeah. Yeah. I had uh, 14 cubic yards of mulch to spread. That's disgusting. Yeah. So I was using more than my hands. I do have more than my old house, though. I got yeah. 10 bags, which I thought was going to be enough. Mm. wasn't even close. I need no. like 20. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, whatever. I can probably only fit 10 bags in my car. So it's <laughs> fine. I might do more later. We'll see. Doesn't yeah. matter. No one cares. I had to get mine delivered by a dump truck. Because like it's like 14 yards is a lot of I mulch. never want a pile of anything on my property. It was I, a pile. I would just say that. That's where I draw the line of home improvement. So when it becomes a pile, that's when someone's getting paid to do it. It's not me. See, I love it. I'm like, bring, I, me, bring I, me the piles. No, see, I'm I'm a, a very a firm believer in the, my home being a no wheelbarrow home. Oh, wow. nope, no. So once once it exceeds like hand carrying capacity, see, I have like a mul- shut it down. I have a multi wheelbarrow home. I've got like the <laughs> traditional wheelbarrow with just like the wheel in the front of it, but then I've got like the garden cart style like wheelbarrow. It's got oh. it's got all four wheels and it's like a dump cart. So you well, can also I have it. nowhere to put that. Like I have nowhere to put one. Oh of those. well, that's why you get multiple sheds. No, like I have. God. <laughs> yeah, you just keep adding sheds as you acquire no, garden tools I, and stuff like that. Yeah. I have one little room that's attached to the house. If it can't fit in there, someone's getting hired. So you don't you don't have you don't have a tool acquisition uh problem. I don't I want don't. a tool acquisition problem. Like I feel mm. like that could be a problem for me. Oh yeah. Because I, I I see the fascination. Not a and problem. I, and I, mean, I see that a, oh no, it's no. I have mm. no. My brother lives very close by. I, I <laughs> love borrowing things from him. It's great. 
That's true. I'm a great person to borrow tools from because you live everything. not near anybody. So well, that's kind of also the worst. That's where I. That so it's great. So I can offer it to anybody and seem <gasps> like a super generous oh. guy, but nobody ever wants to take me up on it. That's not true. That's messed up. That's not why I do it. <laughs> I genuinely love sharing my tools with people, but no one wants to come out. No one wants to do all the crazy work shenanigans that I do. So whatever. I have another crazy project I got into, but we're going long and I'm not going to get into it, but I will, I will need a tamper at some point because I'm not buying one of those. I have a tamper. I know you do. You probably have three. I only have one tamper. Okay. But you know, you can use like a sledgehammer if it's a small area. I also don't have one of those. Oh, I have several of those. (laughs) Like maybe three or four of them. (laughs) Actually, we can use the small ones that I have. I might have six or seven. Anyway, uh, that, that should be about covered (laughs) for that stuff. Um, we got a couple of uh, company updates, so let's get into that. So, Brian, update us on the company. Company. Well, we have done a couple of videos recently. We did uh, one on fun fidget pens. And then, um, you know, we intend to publish this. We will maybe yet to have, will have published this one by the time this this broadcast. Um, Drew put together a video on soft nibs versus flex nibs. Kind of like what we were talking about with the Justice 95. 100% comprehensive, full of facts. Yes, Specific, detailed measurements. For sure. You can hold him totally accountable for his completely objective views. You expect that, that. you will be disappointed. (laughs) Scientific proof, yeah. Um, So we'll have that one coming out. It will already be out or will be coming out soon, depending on how this week goes. Um, And then uh, just a quick update for the website. So um, we made a change around October or so last year to consolidate our shipping options because we just had so many and it was getting ridiculous. Um, But with that, we lost some of the um, really affordable shipping options that happened on the really, really light domestic packages. So we made some tweaks and we now reintroduced that. So if you are looking to get stuff that's like under eight ounces, 12 ounces, whatever, um, you may have some, uh, more affordable shipping options, like under, under $5 range kind of stuff for that. So it's tough because, you know, shipping is expensive and it costs an unbelievable amount for us. It's not free. Uh, there's no such thing as free shipping, uh, anywhere. So you're, you're going to have to pay for it at some point, but you know, we wanted to give more attainable, more affordable shipping options for people who are truly buying like really small and light things. So we have that as an option. So if you're checking out on the site, you may see that, uh, as an option now, in addition to the standard shipping that we have. So, Hopefully that'll be something more accessible, especially for people that are like newer to the hobby. Maybe they're not buying, you know, as much and they're trying to ease into it. Wanted to give some more affordable options. So that is what we got going on at the company among, you know, other things, but that's the notable stuff. All right. I think that we're about to wrap this thing up, Drew. Yeah, let's go ahead and how you wrap like, it up. How do you like the room? You like you dig it in here? I think it's it, great. Yeah? It's not nearly as hot at the end of this as I thought it would be. I got to admit, I thought I was going to be a little warmer than yeah. I am. I'm warm, but not like now, crazy warm. Now, come mm. holiday season when we've got the mm. holiday sweaters Ooh, rocking. Sweater time might get a little rough. but I feel like they're going to be cuffed up to at least there. You're going to need to... Yep. You know you could always do like a, a sleeveless... Ooh, holiday sweater, a sleeveless sweater. Yeah. That would look amazing. Yeah, or maybe at least like a like a baseball sleeve, like uh, a three quarter sleeve definitely. sweater. 
Is super super stylish. Whatever. I'll make Absolutely. it happen. Yeah. Like a cutoff. Mm-hmm. Like I can't not a sweater vest. That's Definitely. different. But Definitely. I'll do a cutoff. Right. Yeah. Maybe with like really deep, you know, like you have the like the guys at the gym. What you what you need is the shirts that like are oh, really yeah. deep and you're like, I can see like half. Like your that's body. not even a shirt. Yeah. Like, what is what that? What you need is you need someone to knit you a pair of holiday cargo shorts. Ooh. Nice warm winter cargo shorts. I don't know how I feel about that. Do you ever do cargo shorts with like a base layer pants so you can have your cargo shorts but also not be cold? Uh, no, I don't layer my pants. I mean, like, you know, like a, like wear a base layer. Like, What does that mean? You, what is a base layer you've of never, pants? You've never heard of a base layer? I mean, yeah, but... The I, things you wear to keep warm in the winter under normal Are you talking like, like legging type things? Like full, like, like full on pants underneath the shorts? That's what a base layer is, yes. You, um... <laughs> Because you, so you can far. wear you can, you can wear shorts like under the shirt. I, I'm trying to conceive of like why would you do this? Why would you just wear pants? Because I'm, I'm saying because you like your cargo shorts and you say that that is. But you can buy cargo pants. Like why wouldn't I just buy cargo do, pants? Do you? I actually don't have any cargo. That's pants. my point. Yes. So you could have. Because they don't make cargo jeans. Leggings. That's why. Yeah. Not <laughs> not like. <laughs> I'm not picturing you in like 80s workout leggings. No, but you, you, but you like, get the right thing. Like yeah. I do cycling and stuff like that. So, there you, I, you go. know, in running. That, that's a base layer. Usually, Actually, I will do base layer like when running. Okay, so you so, know what a base layer is. I guess. I've just never really heard of, I've never thought of the word base layer in terms of my legs. I just not, I mean. Okay. Because my leg, my legs don't get high. That's not where I feel my warmth. Is in my and I agree, which is why I don't wear shorts because my legs are always fine. Yeah, and you're like, know, all like, I, I don't know how Drew doesn't wear shorts. Well, because you're in yeah, legs. I don't know. Okay. I got to think about this now. You got, me, right. you got me curious. I'm Because so, I, I know that you are a cargo shorts man. And if, like you wore, if you wore a base layer, you could wear yeah. your cargo shorts year round. I, there, there's a guy at Archer's uh, at, about at school. I just call him shorts guy because he wears shorts year round. Okay. Um, and uh, with a base layer. So he can uh, always rock his shorts. Oh my God, they're a shorts guy. Every morning. Yeah, I never really thought about that, Drew. You're opening my eyes here. Base layer. See, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to really give this some serious thought. That seems like it would be weird to me, but I mean, it's weird enough. I don't care. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up, shall <laughs> <Okay>. we? <laughs> uh, we are in Turkey Hammock Zone for yes. sure. Uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you think of the new set. If you see any particular goodies back here, you want to call it out. Please let us know. Yeah, we'll, we'll duck to the side a little bit, Matrix style, so you can kind of see what's going on back there. Um, if you have any um, needs for fountain pen things, gulaypens.com, great site to check it out. Highly recommend it. I've heard good things. Yep. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Instagram. You can look at Drew's Corgi. I'm just kidding. We're not posting that on our channel, but we could. Um, if you want to email us, you can hit us up at pencast at gulaypens.com. And I have a random fact for you since uh, it's going to be Easter this weekend, Drew. If you've ever enjoyed an Easter basket with plastic eggs and plastic grass. I have. Then you can thank Donald Weeder. The I man, do. The man who invented both. Weeder not only holds the patents on these holiday staples, but he also holds a total of 1,413 U.S. patents. Whoa, Donnie. Including ones for water-based inks flower pot covers, and decorative wrappers. Compare that to Thomas Edison, who's famous for having a lot of patents and inventing things, who has just 1,093 patents. So the man outworked 
Thomas Edison, and I would say, you know, rivals him in terms of his impact on the world with his plastic grass and... Absolutely. I'll have to look into this water-based inks thing a little bit more. I don't know if that's fountain bending specifically. There's Mm. a lot of different types of ink, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious. All right, Donnie. Maybe there's something something deeper there. So there you go. Hope you all have a wonderful week. We will see you next time. Thanks for watching and right on.